Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. This week, panty burglar Sam Brinton has been reclassified as nuclear waste by the Department of Energy. The first Navy SEAL to become a trans woman is now detransitioning in public on national television and recanting all the things he said to glamorize trans on the same national television. Um, stick with us through the break. We're going to talk about how Patreon has banned us and what you can do to help. And thanks to the generosity of a longtime viewer who knows who she is, we're going to take a visual trip to Christmas land in liberal land. A little bit of housekeeping first. Once again, listeners and viewers, thank you for keeping me honest. You corrected a mistake I made last week. <clears throat> the Francis W. Parker School that I was speaking about is not in San Diego. It is in Chicago. That was a mistake on my part. I feel bad for the school in San Diego. I heard they actually had to put a disclaimer up on their website because of people like me. <laughs> Maybe my mother was right. All right, Penny Burglar, you ready? Our favorite Penny Burglar has been arrested for stealing women's luggage for a second time, remember? We talked about this several weeks ago. The first time he did it in the Minneapolis airport, the second time he did it in the Las Vegas airport, he has finally been fired by the Department of Energy. He's no longer the chief of nuclear... Well, he'll always be the queen of nuclear waste, but he's no longer the formal chief. He doesn't get a paycheck with it. I think he gets to keep the Burger King crown. Or maybe not. He's kept enough other women's panties so far. So anyway, uh, let's, let's do this. Um, let me remind you of what Sam Brinton would like you to see when you look at him. We'll put that on the screen. Is it on the screen? It's already on the screen. All right. Now, want to see his mugshot? I know you do. Let's look at it. Go, Kevin. <laughs> I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> he looks like he's about to hand out some river justice. Oh, my goodness. Now, I... Think about that. Carry that, this compare and contrast in your head with you. Even though you know, we all know Sam Brinton is a man. We all know he doesn't actually, well, I mean, I guess nobody looks like what they look like with makeup on when they're not wearing makeup. Uh, forget it. Back to the drawing board. Seriously, though, look at how much of a difference in impression, emotional impression, you can get from the choice of somebody's their fashion choices, their makeup choices, and then when you're confronted with reality, right? I mean, not only does he look angry, mad, and I mean, he's real male, okay? that This isn't just like kind of male. This is real male. It's almost Neanderthal. <laughs> it's different, doesn't it? So people are, again, finally questioning Sam Brinton's character and his honesty, all of a sudden. This is from the Daily Signal. And the person that we're going to talk about as I fool with my earpiece here, um, because I haven't yet gotten that custom one, maybe that'll come for Christmas. Okay. Back in, back inside. All right. I haven't done this in a while, so don't complain. I used to do it every show. Um, so here's from the Daily Signal, and the guy that they're quoting, his name is Joseph Nicolisi 
Jr. He is the son of a therapist whose his father's name was also Joseph Nicolisi. I think he died about four or five years ago. Um, Mr. Nicolisi Sr., and now being followed um, by his son, Jr., um, specialized in helping people who wanted to change their sexual orientation in regular talk therapy. Regular old talk therapy that focuses on trauma, psychodynamic therapy, the same kind of therapeutic method that's used in talk therapy, right? We're not talking about electrodes and electric shock. We're not talking about torture. We're not talking about things called aversion therapy. We're talking about two people who are sitting in a room and speaking to each other, okay? Mr. Nicolisi Sr. had been slandered and unpersoned by his industry before he died uh, for suggesting that there could be anything that was changeable about a person's sexuality. This exercises the left to no end. And as a result of the hysteria over what people think they know, and they think they know that there's a thing called conversion therapy that most gays went through and they were all tortured and they had electrodes hooked up to them. And I'll, I'll get to that part. It's just, it, it, it never happened to the degree and at the scale that people believe. It never did. This was never a common experience of gay men. Yes, it happened to some, sure. But no, this was not the common gay experience, even in the bad old days. Surprised, aren't you? Some of you don't believe me. Can't help that. Um, but because of the hysteria over so-called conversion therapy, and, and some of that recently stoked by Sam Brinton himself, who goes out on speaking junkets, many states have passed laws making it illegal for therapists and patients to actually discuss the subject. Is that not remarkable? So it's illegal to talk to your therapist about wanting to change your sexual desires, and they risk losing their license in those states if they respond to you and engage that subject. My body, my choice, right, lefties? Not my mind, my choice. Our minds belong to you. All our mind are belong to the left. Quote, my colleagues and I wanted lawmakers, warned lawmakers in California and Massachusetts and the LGBT activist groups which were supporting him about Sam Brinton's ever-changing story about abuse he allegedly underwent in therapy because of his LGBT attractions. Dr. Joseph Nicolisi Jr., the therapist and founder of the Reintegrative Therapy Association, said in a statement first obtained by the Daily Signal, quote, but nobody cared. So Brinton's testimony about his alleged experience played a key role in banning legitimate practices across the nation. You know, as Libs of TikTok put it in this picture, if only there'd been some warning signs. <laughs> Remember, judge human books by their covers. Judge men who walk around in 1980s women's hot pink pantsuits and cinched waist belts and lipstick under their Chester molester mustache and when they walk their boyfriend around like a dog on a leash. Judge that book by the cover that the book author made for themselves. Do you understand? When people dress 
They are trying to communicate something to you. You are allowed to read and comprehend that message. <laughs> really, you don't need to study. You don't need to ask permission from a scientist either. <clears throat> More from the article. Quote, according to the LGBT group, the Movement Advancement Project, <laughs> conversion therapy bans have become law in California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, and Washington, D.C. Quote, yet many conversion therapy bans also effectively prevent patient-directed talk therapy to address unwanted same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria. And psychotherapists like Nicolisi oppose them for this reason. <laughs> you know, gender dysphoria, let's do a little, um, little etymology here. Dys it's not exactly etymology. Dysphoria. Dys, wrong, bad, negative. Phoria, love, happiness. Dysphoria means gender unhappiness. It's a ridiculous term anyway. It's the one they picked uh, in the DSM to replace gender identity disorder so that they could get rid of the word disorder because it's not a disorder except that it's listed in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of what? Mental Disorders. That's its actual title. That's the actual title, but it's not a disorder. Um, so gender dysphoria, gender unhappiness. Well, w wouldn't people want to get rid of the unhappiness about their gender? We, we don't go for dysphoria, right? We, we try to get euphoria or at least content. Never. I'm sorry. I'm talking sense again. Nicolisi says he practices reintegrative therapy, which he defines as client-driven talk therapy using evidence-based treatment interventions to resolve traumas and addictions. This is his presentation. His organization states that, quote, clients are not encouraged to try to change their sexual orientation. Rather, they resolve trauma and addictions using evidence-based treatment approaches. Changes in sexuality are the byproduct. This is what scares the left. The idea that sexuality is not innate or that there's any component about it that isn't innate or that might be able to be um, redirected. They've banked that the left, particularly the hard left, but now it's become a mainstream left value. So now it is a mainstream value. It's not even a left value anymore. It's a mainstream value. I'm even seeing conservatives fall for this crap. The, these people have banked their entire identity on their sexuality. It so scares them to contemplate that all of this, all of these emotional sunk costs they've put in there might not be recouped, that they are actually willing to interfere in the patient-therapist relationship using the blunt instrument of the law. They're literally passing laws about what subject matter a patient and therapist can talk about. Do you see this yet? Do you see yet that the left is a dictatorial abuser? They're not kind, they're not loving, they're not inclusive. They're the opposite of all the things they say they are. Quote, Brinton testified in support of therapy bans, claiming that he suffered from, quote, conversion therapy. However, even LGBT activist Wayne Besson, who vehemently opposes so-called conversion therapy, noted in LGBTQ Nation's story, 
that Sam Brinton's story was, quote, too good to be true and faulted LGBT activist groups and the press for failing to verify it before championing his cause. Quote, Besson asked Brinton for the identity of his conversion therapist and for the facility in which the therapy occurred, yet Brinton demurred. Besson pondered, why was Sam Brinton the only survivor of conversion therapy I've encountered since 1998 who refused to answer these questions? Not only had every other survivor provided this information willingly, but they were eager to fight back and shut down their therapist or ex-gay minister. Brinton claims he was in torture therapy as a young child for years, but he can't remember the therapist's name. He later claimed the therapy took place in his 20s, but even as he was attacking therapies that don't exist... He was engaging in sadomasochism and simulated bestiality with young men and women. I should say, this is back to a quote from Joseph Nicolisi Jr. Of course, no one cared about his credibility until he got caught stealing luggage. And the thing about this, the story lets us know that Brinton claimed in a news release that he underwent conversion therapy first at age 10, but he wrote in the New York Times that he suffered it at age 12. And then when he was in his 20s, he told donors at a National Center for Lesbian Rights event that it happened, quote, a few years ago. All right, let's let's move on to in the Navy. So from Fox News. (laughs) Retired Navy SEAL. Who became famous by coming out as trans announces detransition, detransitioning, and that transition destroyed my life. This is a picture right here of a man named Chris Beck, who up until a little while ago was calling himself Kristen. He's a retired Navy SEAL. He came famous nearly 10 years ago when he came out as transgender. He's announcing now that he's detransitioning, and he's calling on Americans to, to wake up about how transgender health services are harming children. Quote, everything you see on CNN with my face, do not even believe a word of it. Chris Beck, formerly known as Kristen, told conservative influencer Robbie Starbuck. Everything that happened to me for the last 10 years destroyed my life. I destroyed my life. I'm not a victim. I did this to myself, but I had help. He also goes on to say, I take full responsibility I went on CNN and everything else, and that's why I'm here right now. I'm trying to correct that. You know what? Good for him. He's right. He did do this to himself, but he did have help. He was pushed in this direction. There is shared responsibility. Ultimately, the responsibility lies with him. What he did to his body is his responsibility. What he chose to advocate for in public that he now recognizes as harming children is also his responsibility. But it couldn't have and wouldn't have happened without the eager assistance and cajoling of an entire industry and an entire political wing of this country cheering him on. He's right. And I give him credit. I give him credit. Quote, Beck said that when he began transitioning, it took just an hour-long meeting at Veterans Affairs to be offered hormones. Quote, I walked into a psychologist's office, and in one day, I have a letter in my hand saying I was transgender. I was authorized for hormones. I was authorized for all this other stuff. There are thousands of gender clinics being put up all over America. As soon as kids go in and say, I'm a tomboy, or this makes me feel uncomfortable, and then a psychologist says, oh, you're transgender, and then the next day, you're on hormones. 
the same hormones they're using for medical castration for pedophiles. Now they're giving this to healthy 13-year-olds. This is Chris Beck, former trans woman. Does this seem right, he asks. This is why I am trying to tell America to wake up. And with that, my friends, we're gonna take our first break. Come back and see us on the other side. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Like, welcome back and stuff. The reason I'm talking like this is because Kevin and I, during the breaks, are totally vocal frying at each other. He's in my ear like, we're totally recording, are you ready? And I'm like, do I even look ready? Can't you even see that I'm powdering myself? God. Okay, enough of that. So I got an email the other day. <laughs> You're like, ooh, you got an email? <laughs> I've had those too. <laughs> From Patreon. You know what's coming, don't you? Let's, let's go through it together. Hey there. My name is Rhea, and I'm on the trust and safety team here at Patreon. I'm writing to inform you that your page is in violation of our community guidelines regarding hate speech. While we welcome impassioned debate and diverse viewpoints, we don't allow creators to propagate negative stereotypes or segregational content. And I can't continue with this because I must point out to you, yes, I have annotated this graphic for you because segregational content, segregational is not a word, not a word. Oh, and you know what else? Um, Sorry, I'll get back to this. Viewer who left this on my YouTube, you were like, violative is a word and you put it in all caps, the is. No, no, it's not. But thanks for watching. (laughs) While we welcome impassioned debate and diverse viewpoints, we don't allow creators to propagate negative stereotypes or segregational content toward a protected community. Because you are sharing this type of content on Patreon and on your external platforms, some changes are required to bring your account back within our guidelines. 
I'd also like to clarify that because you are funding your content through Patreon, our guidelines extend to content that might be elsewhere online. Although you may not share the same piece of content on the Patreon site directly, our guidelines apply equally to off-platform activity. Do they? Do they, Rhea? Yeah? How? Oh, she explains. I don't care if I've misgendered. I don't care if you're a man or a woman or if you think you're some kind of in-between frog. I don't care. For this reason, we need you to bullet point. Remove this post from your creator page, and that uh, links to our episode 94. <clears throat> Two, unlink your YouTube channel from your creator page, as there is currently violative content living on your YouTube channel. Yeah, also, also, sweetie Rhea, baby, violative is not a word. It's really not. Listen to this baby talk. Mommy tone baby talk. Currently, violative content living on your YouTube channel. Just living there. <laughs> Finally, remove the link to Patreon from your YouTube video descriptions as there is currently violative content living on your YouTube channel. Uh, no, Rhea, and fuck you. I'm not going to. You can't make me. I'm not going back through almost 100 episodes and taking out the word Patreon just to irritate you personally. Please let me know once you've made these changes. If you have any further questions, let me know. I'm here to help. <laughs> Are you, Mommy? Are you? Trust and safety. Do you notice this? How in about six years, all of us here in the U.S. have been conditioned to accept actual parental oversight for our emotional safety when we're online. Just think about that for a second. That's new. Did you forget that it's new? Some of us have forgotten. It's easy to forget. Things happen so quickly. But it's yesterday that this happened. Yeah. Zoomers, I'm, I know, I know. Six years is a really long time because when you think back, you was in elementary school. But those of us who are old understand that six years ago is within living memory. And cultures don't change that fast. But we have all been conditioned to accept this, that we are now in an in loco parentis relationship with Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, Twitter, Snapchat. They all have departments called trust and safety. That's next door to the Ministry of Truth. It's the same Kafka game. What Patreon is doing with us that Twitter plays. They say that you broke the rules against hateful conduct, but they refuse to specify which conduct was hateful. They state, read our guidelines. This is, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but this is, this is actually what's in their initial email to me. Read our guidelines and read our mind and then make any changes that you divine that we might want. 
this is deliberate. This is a deliberate Kafka game. What they mean is, don't be you. Don't have the thoughts that you have. Don't have the emotions that you have. And don't you dare express them. Hi, mother. <laughs> I see you're working in trust and safety. <laughs> All right, so I'm making fun of this, but it isn't funny. You know what this means, everyone? 90% of our income just went away right before Christmas. That's right. 90% of our income is gone. Patreon took it away from us. No, they didn't steal our money. I made sure to grab it before they thought to do that. But if you are on Patreon, you will never be able to donate to the show again. And I'm, I'm sorry about this. And I'm, we're about to ask you to do some things that require some effort. And it's a favor that we're asking you. I know it's a favor and I appreciate you considering it. And I really hope you'll do it because it, it matters a lot to us. Um, we, we really hope not to lose 90% of the support because this does cost money. And, you know, our groceries cost money and our rent costs money. Um, oh, you guys should have seen me the morning I got this. I'm making fun of it now, but I was rip shit. <laughs> Absolutely. I was angrier than you've ever seen me on this show. Um, <clears throat> if you're on Patreon right now, if that's how you support our show, we've got a couple of options. Asking you to do something a little different, but it isn't difficult. It's really not. And you only have to do it once. Um, Subscribe to us on our Substack instead, would you? Um, it's real easy to find disaffectedpod.substack.com or just actually go on to Google, your favorite search engine. Um, yes, 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 I know. Google spies, all that stuff. You don't need to leave a comment. I already know. Um, look up disaffected, uh, maybe use my name, Josh Slocum, disaffected Substack. You'll get to it. Every platform that we offer out there where you can support us financially gets all the same content and all the same benefits. So if you're on, uh, well, if you were on Patreon, if you are on Substack, the other option for you is Subscribestar. They do what Patreon does, but the research we've done seems to indicate nothing is certain and no one is trustworthy, but seems to indicate that Subscribestar is not likely to boot us out for not being woke. But we cannot be sure of that. This may happen again. Um, so two options. You can choose Substack or Subscribestar. And if you're one of those people who joined at the $5 level on Patreon and you got access to our Discord, um, you are grandfathered in. We appreciate you. We're going to fulfill our promise. We're glad to have you there. We're not going to ask you for more than $5. But if you did it on Patreon, you won't be able to do it anymore. So we do need to ask you to go over to Subscribestar. The minimum charge that we've got now on Substack is 10 bucks, But just go over to Subscribestar if you want to give less. We appreciate every amount you give us. Um, so once again, disaffectedpod.substack.com or subscribestar.com slash disaffected. And we really, really thank you. It's This show is almost two years old. It hurts to have almost our entire revenue taken away from us just as a surprise. We will weather it. We'll get through it. But it does hurt. It hurts our pocketbook and it hurts what we can do with this show. Um, so I hope you'll find us some other place. Thanks. All right. <clears throat> I just pulled this because it was so remarkable. Um, Congressman Ted Lieu, who is 
woke and ridiculous and I've made fun of him before. He actually came out. At least he's not consistent. I'll give him that. He's not consistent in being ridiculous 24 hours a day. So he came out with this tweet. There's all this Sturm and Drang on Twitter uh, about Elon Musk buying Twitter and what an evil man he is. And why do we want the world's richest man to be in charge of speech? Oh, my God. It's not fair. So this dude is on Twitter and he says he's responding to Ted Lieu, Congressman Ted Lieu, this guy who calls himself Matt somebody. Can you guys do something about this Elon Musk guy? The stuff he's doing is dangerous. <laughs> Here's what Ted had to say. No, we can't. We are a free country. Elon Musk can post smart things or stupid things. He can choose to promote cat videos over boring Jim Jordan tweets. <laughs> I'm not on Ted's side, but that's funny. <laughs> or not. He can amplify COVID deniers or not. The Constitution prevents government from regulating speech on Twitter. Mr. Liu, thank you. Thank you. I don't agree with you on stuff like COVID deniers, and I don't share your politics, but we don't have to share each other's politics to recognize that the Constitution matters and free speech matters, and I'm really grateful and really glad to hear it from your side of the aisle. Now, are you ready to get into the Christmas spirit with me? This is a tale of three Christmases, or or rather three three Christmas cards, and this was from from a viewer, and she knows who she is, and I'm not going to name her, because I don't know if she wants me to name her, but <laughs> she sent some good stuff. So this viewer, let's call her Elaine. Elaine <clears throat> was talking about having lost friendships over woke over COVIDianism. We talk about this a lot in the Discord. There is a lot of, well, there's a lot of bitching because there's a lot of bitching to be done, but there are a lot of people sharing their stories about what's happened with their friends and their family. Yeah, about 75 to 80% of these stories are people commiserating with each other and saying, yeah, my brother doesn't speak to me anymore. My sister-in-law doesn't speak to me anymore. My parents don't want me to come over for Christmas or Thanksgiving. Yeah, unfortunately, most of the stories are of that nature. But remember, misery loves company, and it does feel a little bit better when you're miserable to see that the person sitting next to you is miserable, too. However, maybe about 20% of these are a little more hopeful. And people are also sharing that, you know, my best friend woke up and apologized and, and this kind of stuff. So, you know, you want to talk to these people? You want to talk to your compatriots? Come on, support us. Come in. You'll like it. All right. So, Elaine... <clears throat> gets Christmas cards every year from a gay male couple who's adopted a child. This is a really typical story, unfortunately, that uh, the disaffected crowd shares with each other. People have had a particularly hard time with their gay friends. I'm not surprised. Um, gay people are overwhelmingly leftist and liberal. Um, people like me who are more conservative or libertarian are not as common, although we are growing. Uh, we're not just 10 percent. It's not just a small handful anymore, but we're not the majority. So. And, and when Elaine was talking about these people, it, 
she found it extra difficult because in so many other ways, these are smart men, in, um, conscientious men, funny men, people she enjoyed having as friends. But then COVID came and everything soured. <clears throat> Pardon me. Let's take a look at Christmas card one. And Elaine, if you're watching, I may have gotten these out of order. Sorry. Um, this is hard to read, so I'm going to read it to you. And uh, if you're just listening, these are uh, cartoon renderings. They're, you know, fairly standard, but kind of car charming Christmas cartoons. This depicts an elf looking at a, a, a scroll, a piece of writing on a scroll. Uh, looks like he's at Santa's workshop. And here's what it says. Oh, it's a letter from Santa. Apparently, this is, um, this is what he gave to his workers. In light of the decline in COVID cases in the North Pole and of our labor needs during the peak season, all elves will be required to return to 100% in-person work effective December 10th, Santa Claus. Now, you could read this two different ways. The first time I read this, it, it came off to me as, look, even Santa's a Grinch. Even he's making people go back to work in person. Now I'm not so sure. I think I might have been psychologically primed because I saw a couple of the others that they're all branch COVIDian. Um, but maybe this is supposed to be uplifting. I don't know. Tell me what you think about it. Next one. This is a card, a little cartoon, very crudely drawn. This one, not, 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 not as good as the other. Uh, showing, apparently, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Santa. Oh, and Rudolph is sassy. Oh, girl. He's standing there with his hip, hip out like this. And he'd be like, I'm going to play your reindeer games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on with your bad self, Rudolph. Here we go. Christ. This is to the tune of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I'm not going to sing this. When Santa gave him some grief, Rudolph said, okay. Finally, he saw the light and he got to fly that night. Then how the reindeer loved him. As they shouted out with glee, Rudolph the Pfizered Reindeer, you'll go down in history. Oh, my God. Rudolph the Pfizered Reindeer. He got to fly that night because he was a good boy. He allowed himself to be Pfizered. Liberals just straight up endorse social bullying. They just straight up endorse it. They don't care. Don't listen to these sons of bitches talk to you about anti-bullying. They live on bullying. This entire bloody alleged pandemic was nothing but liberals bullying the living shit out of everyone. <sighs> Card number three. This one is the saddest. This is these two men and their adopted child. And I'm saying child instead of boy or girl because I can't tell. And that may just be because little kids all wear similar kinds of clothes. 
but because it's two liberal gay men, I have a feeling they made sure there weren't any real readable gender cues. Really weird, isn't it? What has happened to gay men? So it's th three of them standing in front of a Christmas tree, all of them with masks on their face, with the legend, Merry Christmas. And if you look at that child in the middle, look at the expression in that child's eyes. That looks like anger to me, anger or fear and frustration. Look at the body language in that child, hunched over with the shoulders, looking angry in the eyes. Sure, sure, you can say, hey, it's just one picture. Maybe it just caught him or her at a bad moment. Yeah, I understand. But when you do a photo session like this, there's never just one picture. There's like 30, there's not 36. There's more than that because we don't do rolls of film and 36 exposures anymore because I'm old. You pick the best one. They picked this. They picked this. Oh my God. Why, why is all of this from them so simultaneously grim, stingy and mean while also being kitty cutesy? That's the part that makes it really just messed up. All right, time for another break. We'll see you and close up the show. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Welcome back. In a historic first for transgender rights, the U.S. is set to execute the very first transgender woman in history. <laughs> I know. I know how bad this is. I know. NBC News. Take a look at their great big banner headline. First, openly transgender woman set to be executed in the U.S. asks for mercy. Lawyers for Amber McLaughlin, 49, asked Missouri Governor Mike Parson to spare her this week. McLaughlin was convicted of killing 45-year-old Beverly Gunther in 2003. Now, here she is. Here's Amber. Isn't she pretty? Don't you like her hair notions? So girly. Oh my God, Kawhi. And you might ask, why is she being executed? Well, here we go. McLaughlin was convicted of killing 45 year old Beverly Gunther on November 20th, 2003. Gunther was raped and stabbed to death in St. Louis County. Now, hold that quote. 
because there's something wrong with it. There's a couple something's wrong with it. Did you pick up on what they are? I'll help. Notice the passive voice. Uh, no, first. Notice, okay, so generally speaking, once someone has been convicted in a court of law, news media, they drop the word alleged. They stop saying accused murderer because it's no longer in question. When the courts decided it, that person is a murderer. Whether you, whether you agree with the verdict or not, that, that's how this works. That's how legal systems work. Not this time. Notice that they didn't say that McLaughlin raped and stabbed Ms. Gunther to death. They only said that she, McLaughlin, she was convicted of killing someone who was 45 years old. She was convicted of it. Doesn't mean she did it. And then notice the passive voice about McLaughlin's victim. Gunther was raped and stabbed to death in St. Louis County. By whom? I know, I know, I know you know from context. But I am belaboring this because I'm right about this language. They are doing something extraordinary that they do not do in other topics. They are doing everything they can to not say that this man raped and murdered this woman. They're trying to avoid it. That's sinister in and of itself. I like people to notice these things. There is no woman named Amber McLaughlin in this context. There isn't. There's only a man named Scott McLaughlin. That's Scott McLaughlin. That man is Scott. Scott was stalking Beverly Gunther because she was his ex-girlfriend. I remember hearing about this on one of my true crime podcasts. <laughs> he raped, he stalked, he raped, and then he stabbed his ex-girlfriend to death. From NBC News, quoting from <clears throat> Ms. McLaughlin's public defender lawyer, Larry Comp, quote, it's wrong when anyone's executed regardless, but I hope that this is, this is a first that doesn't occur. Amber has shown great courage in embracing who she is as a transgender woman, in spite of the potential for people reacting with hate, so I admire her display of courage. Larry Comp, piss off. What courage? What hate? Men who put on dresses and rape and murder their wives get deference in this country. He's probably in a women's prison. He gets to be called a woman. You're doing it. He's courageous. Are you nuts? I know this guy is, 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 is Scott's defense attorney, but honestly, really? <sighs> then his lawyer goes on to discuss his traumatic upbringing, Scott. Scott McLaughlin's traumatic upbringing. And this is very likely real. This is how people turn out this way. What, what I'm about to read to you, this is bog standard common for murderers, serial killers, con artists, this kind of child abuse. Quote, 
McLaughlin's lawyers cited her traumatic childhood and mental health issues, which the jury never heard in the clemency petition. A foster parent rubbed feces in her face when she was a toddler, and her adoptive father tased her, according to the letter to Parson. She tried to kill herself multiple times, both as a child as an adult. Do we have any way of knowing if this is true or exaggeration? No, we don't. But it is very likely largely true. You will rarely find somebody like this who does not have a background like that. This is Cluster B. It's Cluster B both in his upbringing and now he is Cluster B himself too. Right? Doesn't mean all Cluster Bs are murderers. Obviously not. Most Cluster Bs are not murderers. But of the murderers, there's a very high likelihood of Cluster B. And then you, you, you throw in some other tells. Oh, I'm 49 years old and I raped and, and killed my ex-girlfriend. And now I'm a woman. That seems normal, right? Because she's really trans. Because there's such a thing as true trans. My speculative diagnosis, speculation. Borderline personality disorder with psychopathic traits, secondary psychopathy. That's what I think is going on with men like Scott McLaughlin. The identity instability uh, and the taking advantage of it is, is either or both very typically borderline and or narcissistic. Um, the, the stalking is an expression potentially of abandonment fears or narcissistic possessiveness. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between them. Sometimes there isn't much of a difference. Then the rape and murder. If I can't have you, no one can have you because you are my narcissistic possession. You might be curious about what I think about the death penalty since I started this off with a really tasteless joke. Here's what I think. I believe that some crimes are morally punishable by death. I mean that I think it is morally acceptable and sometimes morally correct and morally demanded that some crimes be punished by killing the perpetrator. Yes, I do believe that there are crimes that are so heinous, your life should be forfeited. But I don't trust the state. I worry about innocent people being executed. We know that it's happened. And I sure don't trust the state a lot more than I didn't trust the state three years ago. So it's a conundrum. I can't, I can't give an answer. I don't know what to do in a situation like that. Um, do I care if Amber is executed? Not a bit. Good riddance. Go. Can I help you pack your bags? It's seriously. Good riddance. Don't care. We'll sleep like a baby tonight. One other thing to keep in mind here, this helps to illustrate something that, um, a distinction that I've tried to make several times on the show. I've talked about how cluster B personality disorders are not mental illnesses the way most of us hear, believe in here. When we hear the term mental illness, that's not the kind of thing that cluster B is, what we're thinking of. What do we usually think of? When we hear mental illness, we hear a number of things because it's, it's, it's freighted with many different meanings. At bottom, we hear illness. We hear incapacity, compromised, inability or disability. 
right? So already the excuse making for the crime starts to creep into our concept, mental illness. Oh, she's so ill, she can't help herself. He's so sick, he doesn't know what he's doing, right? But we also think of what I call the sympathetic mental illnesses, um, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia. Schizophrenics are actually out of touch with reality. They're actively delusional. Um, manic depression, bipolar disorder. We tend to think of these things in more sympathetic terms because most of us have known, well, not one person, but more than one person who suffered from one or a combination of, of, of these things. And we know that people can go through bouts of depression or severe anxiety um, and have a really rough time and maybe be unpleasant people to be around, but that they come back out of it. And it and it's almost it's as if it's not quite this really, but it's as if a dark cloud comes into their life and suppresses who they are as a person for a while or changes them. And then it lifts. Cluster B personality disorders are not those mental illnesses. They're not, although many of those symptoms do co-occur, depression, anxiety, substance abuse are all very common in cluster B. They're also very common outside of cluster B. So they're not, they're not cluster B specific things. Um, yeah. What, what we're talking about, what we're trying not to talk about, really, is character, moral character, whether you're a good person or a bad person. I know, talking about good people and bad people makes some people very uncomfortable. And I know that some people want to say, oh, how reductionist, how simplistic, how unnuanced. I know. I also know that there are good people and bad people. I'm also aware that most of us are capable of good actions and bad actions. But there are extremes. There are. There are people that every single one of you listening right now would have no compunctions at all chucking into the bad person category. You know that's true. You've already done it. There's somebody you know in your past who you've put in the bad people category. So you're not allergic to that concept. No one's allergic to that concept. They only think they are when they think that they're having bad thoughts that aren't empathetic enough. Cluster B personality disorders are about character. They're about other things too, but they're about character, morals, moral choices. That's why we used to call them character disorders before they were called personality disorders. And I prefer character disorders. And before that, we called it moral insanity. I kind of like to go back to that too. But in this case, relevant to the legal system, did you know that cluster B personality disorders, borderline personality, narcissistic, histrionic, antisocial, antisocial is what you know as sociopathy or psychopathy. Did you know that these do not qualify for the insanity defense in US courts? Are you surprised? They don't. That's an illustration of what I mean. Except in rare one-off circumstances, cluster Bs are not out of touch with reality the way uh, an actively delusional schizophrenic might be. They're not. 
They're not hallucinating. They don't hear voices in their head. They know that this is a table, right? They're here in the same room with the rest of us. They know right from wrong. It's that they don't care. They did it anyway, knowing that it was wrong. That is a hallmark of a bad person. It is also a hallmark of a cluster B. That is why you can't plead insanity for having borderline personality. They try. They try. And there are, there are, I've seen them. There are cases that squeak through in some jurisdictions where some absolutely fucking deranged borderline goes on a knife spree and actually gets a reduced culpability sentence because has a disorder and can't help it. That's not usual, though. Uh, American jurisprudence has spoken pretty consistently on this, doesn't qualify for the insanity defense. So think about that the next time somebody insists to you that these people are just ill. They're just sick. They can't help it when they're sick. <laughs> There's a little more from this. <laughs> I saved the most ridiculous for the last. Get a load of this insanity. This is also about Amber Scott McLaughlin. And this is a quote from a woman named Karen Podgman, who's a spokeswoman for the Missouri Corrections Department. She says, quote, It is extremely unusual for a woman to commit a capital offense such as a brutal murder and even more unusual for a woman to, as was the case with McLaughlin, rape and murder a woman, end quote. Well, that's because a woman didn't do it. There's no woman here, except for Karen Podgman. There's no woman here. There's nobody named Amber. There's a man named Scott who grew his hair out and put pretty little butterfly notions in it at 49 years old. <laughs> it makes me wonder. You know, this, I'm going to give this to the women and the feminists. They are right to be absolutely furious to have their sex tarred with crimes from men like this. I don't blame them one bit when they get angry and say, how dare you? How dare you say this is a woman's crime? Because there are cases of this happening, but they are they are vanishingly rare. Rape and rape murders are men's crimes. If you remember a woman doing it, the reason you remember that is because it's so extraordinarily rare that it's stuck in your mind. I've listened to true crime shows and watched them for years and years and years. This is really rare. Females kill, but they, they do it differently. They're, they're more likely to be poisoners. They're more likely to be Munchausen by proxy and um, debilitate their children behind closed doors in, in ways that people can't detect. Um, they might be an angel of death nurse who injects succinylcholine into patients, which is very hard to trace in the body. <laughs> you see, you, do you have friends who are true crime fans? I'm, I'm not joking about this. Will you seriously tell them about Disaffected? Because I think there's huge crossover between the true crime community and the Disaffected community. Seriously. Um, if they like sword and scale, they're going to like us. <laughs> Um, but what I thought about with this quote, when she said it's extremely unusual for a woman to commit a capital offense and even more unusual, as was the case with McLaughlin, to rape and murder a woman. Is Karen Poshman that brainwashed that she sincerely believes that this is a woman she's expressing genuine shock and surprise? Or 
Is she saying only what she can squeak by and get away with, hoping that we pick up on her real meaning between the lines? I'm 60-40 on this. I'm 60-40 in Karen Podgman's favor. 60% that she knows what's going on, but she's not allowed to tell the truth, and this is the best she can do to hint that she knows it. But I'm 40% that she actually believes what she's saying. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway. I'm going to leave you with a funny for this week as you get prepared for the Christmas holiday, which should include stuffing disaffected uh, stocking on Substack or on Subscribestar. Thank you. You all know The Voice. You know how much I hate The Voice, but you know how much I love doing The Voice for you. Well, I'm not the only one who hates it, and I'm not the only one who's noticed that grown adult big girl women are talking like kids and teenagers these days. I have no idea what movie or television show this is from, and I don't care because I'm never going to watch it because I hardly watch anything. (laughs) But this scene is exactly something I would do. And also, I want to marry the actor in it on account of the fact that he's hot. Roll it, Kevin. What can I get you? I'd like a large coffee. Okay, so hot coffee? Hot coffee. Okay, room for cream? Totally leave room for cream. Why are you talking like that? Why are you talking like that? Because this is my voice. This is my voice. No, it's not. I heard you talking a minute ago. I know you don't talk like that. Neither do you, because nobody actually talks like this. You choose to talk like this, and today I chose to talk like this. It's pretty fucking annoying, isn't it? Why are you so rude, man? Just stop doing that. I can't help it. This is my voice. No, it's not. It's an affectation that annoying teenagers and rich people use to sound like they don't give a shit. Except you work in a coffee shop, so I know you're not rich, and you don't look like a teenager. Unless you're Eunice Kennedy Shriver, knock it off. So just because I talk like this means I don't give a shit? And what exactly am I supposed to not give a shit about? That's an excellent question to ask yourself in your actual voice. Excuse me. <laughs> Some of us would like to order. Okay. You're a total dick, man. There. There you go. Good. You're talking. Bless you, Sam Livingston. That's the show. We'll see you next week. Take care, everybody.